0: Hi, I'm Gerd Tundel, acclaimed health journalist, turn motivational speaker, and transformational coach. This show is for anyone who wants to lead a happier, healthier and inspired life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can become a soul warrior. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Get Inspired with Gerd's podcast. I'm your host and today I have a transformational guest who is an absolute inspiration, who's helping people to heal their health and well-being from the inside out. Heather Dane is a health coach and 21st century medicine woman who combines ancient wisdom from her Native American background with holistic health, epigenetics and nutrition. She has co-authored two books with Louise Hay, from Loving Yourself to Great Health and The Bone Broth Secret. Heather also has a Hay House radio show called Loving Yourself to Great Health. Heather, it's an absolute pleasure having you on my show and thank you for joining us. Hi Gertz, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, bless you, Heather. I just love the work that you're doing. And your life story really just, it just called to me. And I felt like the listeners really need to know like what your life was like before you became a health coach.
1: Well, it's it's interesting, because I think I had a life that a lot of people can identify with. I was working 12 hour days, a lot of weekends. And I found myself... Actually, at the end of my self-care list, I actually didn't even have a self-care list. I found myself at the end of my to-do list, and I would I would do everything for my job and for my family and friends, and then whatever little bits were left were for me. And so I didn't have much of a, a balance in my life. I think work for me was everything because I felt really responsible to pay the bills, and get everything done, and be a good sort of corporate citizen and a good friend and family member, and the it, it got a little out of control for a couple of reasons. One, because I was I was having a lot of symptoms, a lot of health issues during that time. From the time that I was ten, I had uh, digestive issues, and they just mm-hmm. continued to build and build. No doctor could figure out what was going on. I would feel in pain every time I ate, and. Over the years, I really learned to manage that, even in high school, I, when I turned sixteen and I got my driver's license, I started going to health food stores to, because I had some sense that it had something to do with what I was eating. Really? And so I would try to find things that would make me feel well when I ate. And it got a little bit better while I was doing that. But then when I got into college, I went on the they have cafeteria programs at college where they they kind of force us to be on them while we're living on campus so my first 2 years I was on the cafeteria plan where all of the food was processed. Oh. And that's all I had to choose from so I ate what the, what I thought was the best I could but that's when the real pain started. I started to I was doubled over in pain. I would find it very difficult. I was sharing a room with a roommate so I felt like I was constantly doubled over in pain and my roommate was sitting there wondering what was going on. And I ended up turning to bulimia as a way to, I mean, in college, a lot of this, this isn't an uncommon story in colleges, because I think it's like one out of every four women in college usually have some type of eating disorder. And so I turned to bulimia as a way to sort of get things moving in my body and get some relief. And then I had one additional area of shame besides not feeling well all the time. Now I was ashamed that I had something wrong with me and an addiction and I started going to counseling, and which helped me feel a little bit better and less alone. But I, I, the the message was that this is all in your head. Mm. This is all in your head. And the doctors who would see me for the digestive pain that I was having would say, well, um, it maybe it's irritable bowel syndrome and that's all in your head. <laughs> so I, I was told that it, I had sort of from what I felt was a broken brain. Mm. And I was also told that I was never going to recover because these things that are all in your head are really difficult and eating disorders in particular are difficult because other people can abstain from their, their addictive substance, but we can't abstain from food. So therefore, you know, it was going to be really a difficult or a struggle to get over it. And I really um, didn't know what to do, but I, I kind of refused to fall into the belief that that was going to be, be the end for me because I had grown up with Louise Hay and I'd grown up with parents who are hippies, you know, who are (laughs) meditating and levitating tables and stuff. So I thought, you know, this, there's gotta be a way. And I began in college studying nutrition and I, um, I, I learned a little bit of good stuff about nutrition. But in college, this was the Mm eighties and nobody knew how to heal the digestive tract with nutrition back then. Mm -hmm. They just had ideas of what was healthy for the body and you know, what was good for you. But there, there hadn't been a focus in science at the time on looking at the gut as the root cause of most issues that we're experiencing today. So I continued my quest. And while I'm in my corporate job, I was sort of managing these digestive symptoms, sleep issues, all of these symptoms that were building and building, and also showing up for this 12-hour day. So it was almost like my day became about um, managing my symptoms and getting through the day and, and doing as well as I could on my job. And it was, it was a lot of pressure, but I got used to that pressure. And so Mm. the way I think that I was learning to deal with it, like anybody dealing with a health issue or something happening behind the scenes was just to not think about my life as much and just get through the day.
0: Mm. Wow. It was interesting that you talked about IBS because um, I had IBS growing up as well and at the age of 13. And again, like you said, said, a lot of it they said was made up in my head. I just feel like it's sugarcoated almost because they don't know what the actual issue is. It's just Everything is IBS related.
1: <laughs> yes. And you know what's fascinating, Gerds, is there's probably a lot of people experiencing IBS or something related, even a little more serious, like irritable, uh, like Crohn's disease, for example, mm. um, or something more inflammatory, inflammatory bowel disease. There are a lot of people now being diagnosed with digestive related issues. And what they didn't know back in the 80s and in the 90s, and what we know more about today, is that the gut is actually part of, it has brain tissue. So it would make sense that anything that we're experiencing in our our, our gut would have a signal to the brain. And so for people who aren't really looking carefully or don't understand, when science doesn't understand, it's easy to say it's all in your head. So it used to be that ulcers were considered all in your head. Wow. And, and then eventually they learned that ulcers, the root cause of ulcers was an H. pylori, a bacterial infection. And then they started learning how to deal with that bacterial infection. So I think that now we know when you look at an embryo, when you're watching the division of cells, there's a clump of tissue that separates twice. One mm. clump of tissue becomes the heart, and the other clump of tissue becomes the brain. The first organ that comes online is the heart. So imagine that our heart with a brain tissue is the first organ coming online. The second one is the gut. The gut with brain tissue is coming online. And the heart, the gut, and the brain all communicate with each other 24-7 by something called the vagus nerve. It's V-A-G-A-S. That vagus nerve is the longest brain nerve. It goes into the body and it connects everything in your digestive system, your heart and your brain, so that there's a communication. And that communication we know today from science is not just physical, it's also emotional. So we're getting emotional signals and even some decisions coming from the gut or the heart to the brain. And I like to think of this as sort of divine... Uh, intervention, you know, (laughs) because it's helping us recognize that we actually have intuitive brain tissue, right brain tissue, which is our intuitive, creative side of our brain in the body. It doesn't have to, it doesn't recognize following the rules or fitting in. All that it recognizes is what we came here to do and what we really want to do with our lives. Mm. And I truly believe that anytime we have a health condition, that it is that intuitive brain tissue that's telling us Lodge deep in our body, that it knows that we're off our sacred path and that the way to get on, sometimes we have to go through a healing process so that we fully understand what it means to nourish ourselves and live according to what we came here to do
0: absolutely hit the nail on the head actually <laughs> yeah because <laughs> um yeah a lot of my health problems growing up were linked to my emotional well-being so um when I was 21 I worked sorry 22 I worked in Canada um, at CTV National News and my left arm stopped working Heather and it was wow. I regenerated it though later down the line and um, however it was because I wasn't dealing with my issues kind of like yourself I was always helping others never putting myself forward um, and I'm left-handed so um your arm that my arm, basically, I was giving more than I was receiving and I'm left handed. Mm-hmm. So my body was kind of shutting down to say, hey, good, you need to look after yourself. You need to connect with yourself and kind of fill yourself up first before you can help someone else. And when I did that, my arm just miraculously started moving. <laughs> okay. I
1: love that. I love that. And isn't it amazing that, you know, we all know this. Yeah. We all have a knowing that this is what we need to do. Mm. And here you went, you 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 regenerated your arm you know, just from taking care of yourself. And, and we know that this is a, a deep truth, but yet there's this magnetic pull to fit in, follow the rules, do our <laughs> obligations. There's this magnetic pull to do that. And so the reality of our lives, I think, is is constantly dealing with the, the magnetic pull of, of what we have to do in, in society. And then that that deep truth, that primal need to do what we came here to do, which oftentimes means we have to separate a little bit from um, some of the things that we think are are allowing us to fit in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what I've kind of found with a lot of my clients and just people in general is that a lot of us have been disconnected from ourselves from like the age of six. You know, before that, we were really intuitive, like from the moment we were born, we connect to ourselves, we be like silly like carefree person and then suddenly we were given all these kind of rules and obligations of how we have to behave and how we have to think and that we get to a point later down our life that you know we're ticking off all these goals and achievements but we're we're so far away from who we are and what what we were kind of almost the purpose that we were given in this life and that's when our health kind of goes down or something happens or like you know people say like a quarter-life crisis or like a midlife crisis yeah well, you know,
1: and i I absolutely agree with that and I think Gerds because I know I, I know you're energetically sensitive because I could tell by looking at your facial features with Chinese <laughs> face reading um, wow. that that when you're energetically sensitive, and I think a lot more people are coming in that way. And mm-hmm. I, I also believe that we become more energetically sensitive if we come into the world with with health conditions, that we become more energetically sensitive. So we're now, it, so your psychics, your intuitives, your um, people who feel like when they walk into a room, they can tell something just happened. They feel wiped out in malls yeah. or busy places. Um, they feel like they're picking up on people's energy all the time. And that can either be physical, mm-hmm. where you feel like... In fact, you've picked up a symptom, you may feel like the symptom is actually yours when it actually belongs to somebody around you, or you, um, you may feel uh, an emotion, you may pick up on people's emotions. And when that happens, I think that, and then also that that it, up to the age of six that you were talking about, when we're more intuitive, you you have been told at an early age that not to trust the unseen.
0: Mm.
1: and you are, in fact, walking through life feeling things that you don't understand. I feel a symptom. I feel an emotion, and that's your intuitive guidance system letting you know something, and so we then believe that there's something wrong with us. We're depressed. We have a problem or something like that. A lot of highly sensitive or energetically sensitive people have symptoms that are actually not theirs, but they believe they are. Once we embrace the symptom and say, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, it becomes ours
0: absolutely oh gosh wow you just yeah you took me back to a, a time when I was 17 I um Heather I used to work in a pharmacy on the weekends whilst I was studying and um, to go to as you guys would say college we say university here and then um, <laughs> yeah I used to try everything like paracetamols just because it was just one of those things like I was like and my mum used to be a nurse I was like oh why not try these however because I had like you said that energy where I always wanted to help people, random people would come up to me in the pharmacy and tell me their life story or tell me issues that were going on, and I was just like helping them. However, when I would go home, I would feel drained, I'd feel tired, I would collapse half the time I was anemic, and what I found later down in life was actually, that wasn't my energy, like you said, it was other people's energy that I, I didn't know how to protect my energy at the time, and so their symptoms almost became my symptoms.
1: Yes, isn't that amazing? Yes. you know and 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 because we know about epigenetics today which is what happens outside of the genes mm. we they they had actually an international group of scientists got together in the human genome project and they were they thought they were going to prove that our genetics determined our health or disease mm. and what they found out debunked themselves they found out that there's this whole thing that happens outside of our genetics that is more responsible for our health than our genes and in fact we have 95% responsibility or 95% of our health is in our hands because only 5% is attributed to our genes. Mm. So here you are in the pharmacy and you're picking up all this energy and you've been told at six not to trust the unseen. So you have no idea what nobody, nobody trained you to recognize your energetic sensitivity. You're just picking it up left and right. (laughs) Now suddenly you're anemic. And this is epigenetics. It's when you're in an environment or you have a belief system or you're eating foods that are not nourishing the human body. And now you're doing things that have nothing to do with what you need, what your body needs. And you're now losing energy. You're now anemic because when when other people are depleting your energy, what would happen? You'd become anemic because you have no energy left. You know, you're you're almost (laughs) donating all of your minerals out to the point where, and your B vitamins, to the point where there isn't any energy left for you. Yeah. So that's epigenetics. And that's, I, I think that the, the beautiful thing is that even if we have a health condition that was in quotes, genetic, mm-hmm. um, we can turn the switches of that off by looking at the epigenetic side of our opportunity, the 95% that we have into our hands, like you did with your arm.
0: Yeah, and it was it was interesting because actually my dad, when I was younger, he actually had a car accident, and it was his left arm. <gasps> yeah. This, wow. What age? Um, I must have been about. Gosh, I must have been about ooh, seven or eight. to remember and I remember I couldn't I he was somewhere really far that him and his friend had gone somewhere and it was quite an awful tragic situation where one of his best friends actually passed away in the car um and another one later died and my dad actually had three metal plates in his left arm um and so I didn't get to see him for about six months because he was in a different hospital and it was quite far and you know at the time your parents want to kind of look they don't want you to be scared and worried. So just kind of protect you. So I guess somewhere down the line, I may have picked up some of that energy. And when my accident happened with my left arm, may have picked up some of those issues. However, interesting enough, Heather was that my dad actually taught me how to regenerate my arm. Um, in the hospital, they couldn't tell me they couldn't help me how to fix it. And my dad actually showed me the tools and techniques that he did to remove his arm.
1: And that's wow. how my arm
0: started moving again. Yes.
1: <laughs> I love that. Well, so I have a feeling that, um, you know, you and possibly even your father are what I, I call generational pattern shifters. Mm. And what that is, is, um, you know, we're all unique in our DNA. We all come into the world with a unique DNA that's different from everybody else, which is why we have a different sacred path than everybody else. Yeah. That our DNA determines what we're best able to digest And what were, um, you know, the nutrients that we need, which is why no one size fits all diet is, is going to work. And, uh, there are people coming in right now and they're, and it's of all ages, but there are people showing up right now with health conditions that are healing their health conditions because of some sort of generational pattern that they've picked up because we, 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 not just health or disease, but emotions are passed through the DNA trauma can be passed through the DNA. And so some of us are coming in and raising our hands and saying, I am going to, to, um, through a health condition or an extreme life situation, correct patterns that have been passed down through the generation so that you're actually healing backwards and forwards all of your generations
0: absolutely and guys any of you listening out there i know it might sound a bit woohoo but just give it like just trust the process because actually um heather my mom used to be a nurse and she worked in the kidney renal unit and a few years ago i had a kidney problem so again it all kind of links in and sometimes things from our, our parents past can connect to to our present future and it's all about learning yeah. how to heal it and just being connected with oneness and actually listening to our body and saying hey what do we need
1: Yes. And you know, Gerds, I I'm I do everything I do. I back by science. I go to the research. I've been researching since high school because I didn't want to take antidepressants. I, I had a knowing that it wasn't going to work for me. And so I've been researching all of these things since high school. And I became a uh, an avid researcher of medical literature. And I have a lot of uh, medical doctor and PhD friends that I collaborate with with my clients. And um, all of the like the emotions and the trauma being passed through the DNA is actually scientifically validated. So it it is it does sound woo woo, doesn't it? I mean, even epigenetics <laughs> sounds woo woo. It's all woo woo sounding because mm-hmm. these are deep and long truths that we have had over eons and that have been passed down from generation to generation. And if anyone listening has any indigenous background like I do I have Native American background you um, these are stories that you've heard elders and ancestors and and um, grandparents and great-grandparents talking about and thinking um, well that has nothing to do with science and today we're showing the science is actually showing a lot of what they were saying
0: amazing I love that. Heather, I want to take you back a little bit because I know we went off track a little. (laughs) Um, I want to, you know, so you were in college and, you know, you had this IBS issue and it got a lot worse. So what did you do next?
1: Um, Well, you know, the the, interestingly enough, the, the bulimia brought me some relief. And I wouldn't understand why until I turned 37. So what I was doing all the way through this, this time was just trying to manage it. And by the time I turned 30, I actually got really scared because I started to worry about, I felt like I was having an old people symptoms at the age of 30. And I, I thought I'm too young to be having these symptoms and I'm, I got scared. And so I, I decided, what am I going to do about this? So I started looking, I started rehabbing my entire life. I had to decide first that I was worth it, worth the time that I was going to put into myself and the money. Because I, at the time, I was so worried about paying bills and having money that I, I wouldn't spend anything on myself. So I started to reprioritize that. And I started to, I had a, a sort of a team that I put together. I had an Ayurvedic a medical doctor. So he did uh, Western and Eastern medicine. So he could help me on both levels i got acupuncture i started um i worked with i started working with a coach i started doing all these things to rehab my work schedule and rehab my life and that was just to open up some time for myself so that i could start cooking healthy food and changing my diet i went on the first diet i went on was like an anti-candida and it wasn't diet as in counting calories it was actually going from obsessively counting calories to not counting calories (laughs) <laughs> and I started eating foods that, um, were nourishing to the body. And I created a, a nutritional protocol for myself that was anti-candida. So I, dr- I got rid of dairy. I got rid of gluten, the gluten grains like wheat and other, other grains that have gluten in them. I got rid of dairy, uh, sugar, no more sugar, no more high fructose corn syrup or other sweeteners. The only sweetener that I would eat was occasionally stevia and then maybe some berries and, and, and apples were okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I, that's all I would eat for sweet foods, wow. and I I was a high vegetable. Like probably ninety percent of my diet was vegetables. In the beginning, I couldn't even really digest animal protein, so I was in the in the first three to six months, I was all vegetables and a lot of broths and things like that, and and no beans or anything that was really hard to digest. Just the really easy to digest foods, and my body went through a very difficult healing process. Um, it was, I was in pain, but it wasn't the same kind of pain as before the pain, the, the worst pain went away and the the pain started shifting in my body. I started to have like these Body, like my my digestive system would make these noises, and I would I would be at work, and I'd be afraid people could hear them. I don't think they could. Cause nobody was looking at me, but I had this like I would be looking around, wondering if anybody was hearing what I was hearing in my body. And these weird things started to happen. But it was the regeneration of my of my digestive system taking place. And um, what I started to do at work was I I started to so I could cook these foods. I started to work less. And I started to go home from work earlier. And I I made this commitment to myself that I would leave at five o'clock to go do yoga on a couple of days a week, which was unheard of in my company. It was type A churn and burn, everybody's competing, that kind of place. And I also stopped working weekends. Again, I would, I was looking around wondering if people were going to call me a slacker, but that (laughs) year between eating better food and starting to feel better, my brain started working better Mm -hmm. and I started making better decisions and, and better decisions at work. And that was the year that I, that my team was the highest performing team in the company and that we all got Promotions and raises, and I got like one of the biggest promotions and raises that I had ever had in my career.
0: Wow. wow.
1: So that's when I realized how important self care is because I thought, what have I been doing before this? I mean, I certainly was working a lot of hours, but suddenly I'm now really laser focused and I have a brain that's more concentrated and more focused. I was learning to say no to the things that were diluting my time mm-hmm. and saying yes to the things that were the highest priority. And that I think was all fueled by deciding that I was worth downtime and rest and deciding that I was worth time to make foods that would heal my body.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And it's interesting how it's almost like the universe was kind of giving you a sign like before you weren't treating yourself or you were respecting yourself. And then when you started to take your power back, the universe just gave everything just naturally with ease and just gave you so much abundance.
1: Exactly. And it was it was as it took, would take a while for all of the symptoms to leave because every digestive organ from end to end was was damaged in some way. And I uh, so one day I was on my elliptical stepper at home at five o'clock in the morning and I w- it was a cold winter morning and I was learning to listen to my body. And because part of this process, I was learning to listen to how my body was speaking to me through symptoms and through emotions and learning to trust the intuition that was coming from those symptoms. And I couldn't ever figure out what the symptom was in my gut because all it had ever been was pain. And so one day I had my hand on my gut and I'm on the elliptical stepper and suddenly I realized that underneath the pain was fear and anxiety because I knew that I wanted to leave my job. I knew that I was not doing what I came here to do and I began sobbing and I, and I realized in that moment that the reason I was still doing it was because I didn't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of how I was going to pay the bills. I was the major breadwinner of the family. I was afraid of, I didn't know what I wanted to do sort of when I grew up, you know, (laughs) I had no idea what was next for me. And so that was the beginning of, um, realizing that emotion especially an unfulfilled desire of the soul mm. can lodge itself in the body and create symptoms that accelerate and accelerate until we finally are willing to listen and take the steps that we need to take to get onto our sacred path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, kind of in a similar situation with yourself. I had um a realization five, gosh, it was about five and a half years ago, and I wanted to leave my job. So I gave myself a set deadline of leaving in in six months. Um, And like you said, like every single day, I would go into work with like really tense feeling in my gut in my stomach. And I would just feel really anxious all the time. And I think it's so true to like, listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, if it's saying something's not right, even though we might not have the answers. And like you said, how we get there, we should just trust the process.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and what I did during that time is what I would consider one of the top five things that I would recommend people doing. And I, I did a a sort of a vision quest on my own where I sat down to figure out what that unfulfilled desire of the soul was. And this is a native American practice in my Haudenosaunee, which is Iroquois tradition that that a big part of health is unfulfilled desires of the soul. And when, when we work with people from a Native American medicine perspective, we're looking for what's going on in their life with their health and the food that they're eating and the thoughts that they're thinking and things like that. But we're looking for those unfulfilled desires of the soul as part of the, the process of healing. And so I sat down and I, I determined what it was I wanted to do and, and what, how my ideal life would work. Who would be the people I would want around me? Uh, What were the things that I would be doing? Because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So what would I be doing? How would I be feeling throughout my day? What would my body feel like? What would my relationships be like? And I sort of mapped all out what my ideal scenario would look like. And I wrote it in the present tense. And then I began visualizing that every single morning when I woke up, I would, I would surround myself with green healing light, and I would visualize, I would feel my whole body healing, and I would visualize what it would feel like to walk through my life in my ideal scenario, feeling the way I wanted to feel, doing the things I wanted to do, and being with the people I wanted to be with. And within a year of doing that visualization every day, I found myself, my husband and I um, were flying and and we were we touched down um onto the uh at the airport the plane touched down and the minute that it touched the tarmac i began to cry and my husband looked at me and he said what's wrong and i said i just realized that i've achieved most of what i wrote in my vision
0: uh-huh. and i hadn't
1: sort of realized that it was all happening while it was happening but in that moment we were landing in the caribbean where we were about to live um, every winter for the next eight years of our lives on a tiny little five square mile island where I would learn how to slow down and learn a whole new way of looking at life. Wow. I
0: don't know if you found this as well, like we've already had the answer. Like there's it's people randomly who we may not know what like, we might bump into or whether we went into a shop. They're all, they're almost like they're our guides. So they have already kind of given the, you kind of like the answers. Like with myself before, people say, you know, randomly in like the Apple store or other stores, like, oh, you know, you should be a coach or you should be a speaker. Right. <laughs>
1: they see it in you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and a lot of what stops
0: us from doing that
1: is is the fear. You know, creating something out of nothing is a big deal. And if we if we haven't been taught to trust the unseen, then creating something out of nothing seems impossible <laughs> because we don't trust the, the nothing that could, could turn into something at that moment, you know?
0: Yeah, I I still remember like thinking, oh, no, what they're talking about. And it's it's funny, though, because the ideas are kind of like in our head. But once we put it to pen to paper, it kind of almost comes real. That's what I found. Yes,
1: exactly. We think
0: too exactly. much Exactly. <laughs> I love that and did you do that? Did you write a vision when you were leaving your job? Oh gosh, yeah. I wrote vision for my health, my well being, relationships. I wrote a list of what I wanted.
1: <laughs> Everything. I love
0: it. And <laughs> literally, I love it. oh wow. It like you said, it just it kept happening and I thought, wow, how's this happening? I had my vision boards and it, yeah, it just slowly came together really. And it obviously there was stuff that I had to go through up and down, but in that in however in that process I found myself and I found myself aligning with the coaching side, with the speaking side, with the radio show side, everything just fell into place.
1: Right. Fantastic. I love that. So everybody, this stuff really works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just trusting in the process and trusting in yourself. I think that's what is key is believing in who you are and believing that you can have it. I think that because we're so used to going to college or university that we have a set way of getting to the job that we want that we forget that, you know, sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you just ne- you need to trust your intuition and follow your guide and let it allow you to just go the way you should have gone.
1: Yes, exactly. So uh, that, that would be another tip that, that I have. So I'm so glad that, that you know, <laughs> it, it, we're verifying right here, all, all the sort of this process, right? It's a, it's going in and trusting the unseen and trusting your intuition and, and all the ways in which it speaks to you. So a health symptom is often a symptom as often your body speaking to you in the language that the only the body knows how to speak to you. in. and if you listen and you, and you, like you did, Gerd, you're you're looking for other ways to regenerate things that people might tell you there's no way to do this. (laughs) You know, you're, you're, you're asking now what next, you know, what else could I be doing instead of accepting the fact that there's nothing that can be done. And that's trusting the unseen, trusting your intuition. And I and it's huge because we do have a whole right brain, mm-hmm. and the right brain is again it's part of what's in our gut, but it's also in in our head, and we we often get led by the left brain or the frontal lobe, which says follow this rule, listen to this person, do this so that you fit in, pay your bills, stay safe. That's the part that stops us a lot of times from doing something big. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I found that um, when I I got made redundant. That was, that was the universe pushing me out of my job. <laughs> yes. Um, I got made redundant three months after. And I remember my, one of my flatmates just so stressed about what I was going to do next, whether I was going to go home, what was my life plan. And I just thought, I'm just like you said, I, I just was like, I'm just going to trust the process and I'm just going to surrender and stop trying to control things because I had a habit of controlling everything in my life.
1: Yes. So surrender, control and and be led you know, allow yourself to be led sometimes. And I like, I love how you um, you mentioned that you were made redundant because oftentimes we don't realize that things that seem bad yeah. actually are blessings in disguise. And we don't, it's hard to realize it often in the moment unless you have a deep faith that out of this situation, only good will come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's, there's always signs there, isn't there, Heather? Like, and it's just trusting those signs rather than feeling like, a lot of us, when we don't succeed in something or, you know, something goes wrong, we always kind of feel sad. And like, you know, why did this happen to me? And we kind of almost fall into like the victim mode of just yes. feeling sorry, Whereas if we kind of just flips it and, you know, just thought, hey, what is this trying to tell me? Maybe something's that bigger out there. Maybe something amazing is going to happen. And this is this wasn't meant to be for me.
1: Exactly. And, you know, there's a technique where if you write it down, Um, and every once in a while, if you write it down, like I have a feeling maybe I was made redundant because I'm supposed to be pushed off out into the world (laughs) and go, go towards my dream and you write it down. And later you come back and look and you see that you're, you're collecting proof of your intuition. You're correcting proof that, you know, everything's working out for your greatest good. And, And as you collect that proof, I think it's easier to get over the doubt of, maybe that maybe maybe this stuff doesn't work. You know, maybe maybe there's nothing really working out for me. But but when you look at the proof in your journal that you've written down, it's easy to see how everything's working out for your greatest good and everything's sort of moving you in the direction of where you need to go. And some of us need to be pushed off the cliff in order to do it. You know, some of us that needs to happen through a health issue or a life situation or whatever it is
0: absolutely I feel like if when you're kind of at that end point you're more likely to shift if you're kind of very stuck in your ways however if you do like you said like if you do listen to those little signs then you can stop earlier
1: (laughs) exactly exactly some some of us have to be on our knees I'll raise my hand I had to be on my knees before I figured (laughs) out you know it's time to figure out how to get up here
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, absolutely. And um, my dear, so you know, you're a health coach. So how are you helping people to overcome their health issues?
1: Well, I um, when once I realized that diet had made such a huge change, because I, as I was eating well, all of my digestive organs were regenerating. And I, I began to understand that um, self care and Changing our thoughts and eating a diet that is nourishing—these are all things that are nourishing, and they're all epigenetic. So they all do help us heal. And this was before I knew anything about epigenetics. I started working with people on uh, because I was a, a very successful in business. I, I thought the first thing I would do was help people be successful in business, but make time for self-care. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like I wanted to show people that they could, through taking care of themselves, do great on the job, but also get healthier. Mm -hmm. And all of my clients, I was focused primarily on business people. Um, All of my clients, whether they were in large companies or they were entrepreneurs, they all got promotions at work. They all Mm -hmm. got healthier and they all um, were able to add more self-care in. So it was sort of like a formula that seemed like it was working. Mm -hmm. And because all of them got healthier, I kind of wasn't sure that was going to happen all of them got healthier, and I thought, I, I need to hang up my shingle as a health coach and stop just focusing on business people <laughs> and focus on health. <laughs> and so from there, I, I went and I got certifications in gut health. I studied epigenetics. I studied functional medicine, which is really the um, in the U.S. I don't know if this is in the U.K., but in the U.S., This this functional medicine is being added to a lot of medical, mainstream medical practices for doctors who are noticing that nutrition works. And it's helping doctors incorporate nutrition and supplements into their practice to help people heal. And epigenetics, some doctors are embracing that as well to help people with genetic conditions. And so I began studying those things. And it wouldn't be until um, after I began studying it that I went to an endocrinologist that I learned that I had a genetic, incurable, untreatable condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, mm-hmm. and it is a defective collagen disorder um, or connective tissue disorder. Collagen and connective tissues make up more than 50% of the body. They are the it's the most abundant protein in your body, and it's your skin, your hair, your nails, your teeth, all of your organs, including your heart, and um, your All of the fascia in your body is all all collagen connective tissue. And and it's also 80% of your eyes. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the whole body. And when we turn 40 years old, I got diagnosed at 37. When we turn 40, um, the body naturally diminishes drastically the production of collagen, this most abundant protein in the body. And so we see people saying things like, the body falls apart at the age of 40. And what they're actually talking about is they probably feel and see the effects of collagen dramatically reducing in its production in the body. And so everything that holds you up and holds you together, your muscles, your bones, you know, everything that's kind of keeping you held up and held together like glue is collagen. So once that decreases, people can start to feel the effects. They may lose muscle tone. They may gain weight. They may have hair falling out or their skin begins to wrinkle more than they hoped it would, or something like um, people get low, low bone density or osteoporosis, things like that start happening. And it's believed that it's aging, but Mm -hmm. I, I really believe that it's because we are not nourishing ourselves the way our ancestors did to stay strong and healthy. And if you look at one of the foods that left our diets, um, it's soup, AKA made with, with bones. Um, soup that our ancestors made, they they honored all of life. And especially indigenous people, even today, usually look at honoring all of life, which means your animals, your plants, your humans, all beings in life are honored with a, a, a voice, a meaning and a power. And so because they were honored, they used every part of every plant and every part of every animal. And the goal was zero waste. And we moved out of that Into I know in the U.S. in particular, we began farming practices that were very unethical, both to plants and animals. Mm -hmm. We sprayed plants with things that made them no longer plant-like. We know from plant science that plants will shut down when they are um, treated in ways that are um, uh, damaging to them. And when we spray the pesticides on, they shut down and they stop producing all of the antioxidants that we need for our health. When they're sprayed the soil and the plant reduces its uh, ability to create minerals, which is the spark plugs of our energy system and all of our enzymatic functions in the body. And with animals, when we start treating them inhumanely and feeding them foods that they should not be eating, we create a type of meat that is what I call processed and no longer meat-like because it's not what it was meant to be. And and, and then they're not being treated well either. So we're, we're sort of lost the... The honoring and the valuing of life. Before we did that, we were taking an entire animal and using every part. So all of the bones and the skin and every part of the animal was used over and over again. And you would take bones um, to and put them underwater. So it would be, you'd fill a pot with bones, especially like collagenous collagen bones Mm. put like joints and feet and skin and tendons and ligaments and things like that would go into the pot. Think of a chicken carcass and cover with cover it with water, maybe add a little apple cider vinegar and simmer it for anywhere from four to 48 hours. And what you have there is bioavailable collagen, the very thing that we no longer produce as well from the age of 40 on. And our ancestors did this because they were in a zero waste and call it frugal, if you like, frugal um, ways of, of eating. And they would sip this broth and return the collagen back into their body. And therefore, their joints would be, you know, sort of lubricated and the joint pain would start to go away. Wow. So arthritis was less of an issue and osteoporosis and osteopenia was less of an issue. And it, it actually, anybody that sips bone broth for any length of time, usually the first thing they notice, the men notice that their fingernails are stronger and better. <laughs> women will notice it too, but men don't notice beauty as, as quickly as women do. <laughs> but women notice that their hair is shinier, their, um, their skin is better and their skin has a glow. I've had people after starting bone broth ask, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and, and why is your skin, they'd be like, it's gotta be genetic. Cause I'm almost 50, mm-hmm. you know, so people will shake their head and say, what are you doing? You know, how is this possible? It must be your parents, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but this is what, what the, the general story is for people who are adding this ancestral soup or bone broth into their life mm-hmm. is that they, they start to feel better. Their muscle tone. I've had clients whose muscle tone comes back wow. and they're, you know, especially in their fifties when they've lost it, they're still exercising but they have no muscle tone and they return the collagen to their body and suddenly their muscles are getting toned again. And so for me, this was a little more serious because I had an untreatable in terms of medicine, um, incurable in terms of science, genetic condition that made my collagen stop functioning properly. And for me, it was, it was definitely affecting my bones. I had was diagnosed with osteopenia at the age of 30, which is way too young. Um, I also had, um, none of my digestive organs were working. I had was diagnosed with gallbladder disease and they had told me to get it out, but this was, you know, before I changed my diet. So I actually, part of the old people thing I thought I had was gallbladder disease. And I learned that through diet, you can regenerate your gallbladder. So by the time I got diagnosed with, with this Ehlers-Danlos, My doctor said this is what was going on with you. This is why nothing was moving in your digestive system because you need collagen to move all of your digestive organs. It's the muscle around the organ that has to contract properly so that you can digest. Your small intestine, which is the factory, 90% of your digestion, so many people today have leaky gut, and that is surrounded by muscular collagen that is supposed to help it move for peristalsis so it can do its job. So none of my organs were functioning properly because I had uh, defective collagen, mostly affecting my digestive system. And no one knows what to do about this, but I didn't know about it till after I had already used diet to heal my digestive system. So there was no one to tell me it was impossible. And there was no one to tell me that there's nothing that can be done. Mm. And so like you, Gerds, you you you're in this situation where they're telling you, you know, we can't do anything for you. And your father showing you all these really cool things that are (laughs) outside of medicine, you know, that that are regenerating your arm and you're changing your life around and you're doing all of these things to to um, nourish your body in ways that defy logic, you know, from a, science, <laughs> from a medical perspective. And you find yourself becoming an epigeneticist in a way where you're, you're working outside the genes without even knowing it. Wow. This is your intuition. And that's why I think epigenetics are really following our intuition and doing these nourishing things for ourselves, you know, giving our cell body what we feel like we need. And I was drawn to bone broth um, because I said, well, you know, gee, this is the only food that has bioavailable collagen vegetables don't have collagen animal protein has collagen and um, bone broth is is often a way that even vegetarians who are ill are willing to do bone broth because it's a zero waste food and you can use your plant scraps and you can use your animal scraps as a way to make this healing soup
0: wow I'm absolutely blown away by this information I, I definitely know that my listeners will be as well gosh wow thank you for sharing that because it, it's so powerful and just to show that how you were able to heal you know your own health issues and you're helping others to do exactly the same and I have to admit I love your bone broth like the vegetarian one I just oh I <laughs> I, I used to I used to have a lot of soup when I was a kid and then you kind like you said you kind of just go away from it and then recently I've just got back into soup and just making lots of different ones and then I think it was on the Hay House Summit I, I saw your vegetarian one and I thought oh my god I need to try this and so yummy. <laughs> yeah. And that one, that one,
1: um, if you want to get collagen out of a, or at least help your collagen system out of a, ve- out of vegetable, since they don't have collagen, there are vegetables that will support the collagen that you have. And if you're making a veggie broth, um, the one that's in the bone broth secret, the one that's in there is actually designed to help support your collagen and all, all of your digestive organs. But you can look at things like Swiss chard, green beans, spinach, red peppers, red leaf lettuce, Um, and I, I put lettuce in actually after, um, after I make a broth, sometimes I'll actually whiz it up even hot with lettuce and (laughs) and drink it right up. So while the lettuce has still got all its enzymes Mm. and, um, you can also use things like carrots, beets, leeks, um, seaweeds and, uh, those kinds of things in your broths actually help to boost the collagen that you have in your body.
0: Oh, amazing. Thank you for sharing that because yeah, I definitely know that a lot of listeners will who will be interested in, you know, healing or repairing the tissues, this will just be so powerful for them. Um, Heather, we are coming towards the end of the show. It's gone so quick. (laughs) (laughs) I have two more questions. Um, Okay. My first one is, what's your five top tips for someone who's discovering their own unique healing code? So we kind of went
1: through them and... and and there there are a lot of them are, we all know in our heart, as we said, are, are, are deep primal truths. And one is I recommend everybody write their vision. I actually have a vision exercise on my website at heatherdane.com. And people can go download it for free. Just sign up for my newsletter and you'll get a bunch of goodies, including a, an hour long how to gently detox your body with food and with lifestyle practices. So I recommend um, get, getting clear on your vision. And everybody's already heard how that's worked so well for both of us. And there are probably people listening who've done this and it's worked so well for them. So I would say start there and find out what those unfulfilled desires of the soul are and get support if you need to through coaching or friends or family who can help you have the courage because courage, it it can be scary. So to have the courage to follow that path. The other one, as I would say, we've talked about this one, honor the unseen, start to develop, go back to that before six where we trusted intuition and we trusted the unseen and, and channel that and bring that back in and remind yourself every day, everything is working out for my greatest good. I trust my intuition. Remind yourself of that and see, see what that looks like in your life. A part of that is um, knowing how your body speaks to you. And so that would be my third tip and and learn that. I mean, you could keep a food diary for two weeks and uh, you could write down all of the foods that you're eating and all of the symptoms that your body is experiencing, sleep, energy, moods, symptoms, things like that, and learn how your body is speaking to you throughout the day based off of what you eat, based off of what you're doing. Are you better on weekends than you are at work? Are you better with some people than you are with others? Get to know what your body is thriving with and what your body is feeling drained by. And then the other one I would say is prioritize your self-care because to me, self-care is the key to success. And in terms of your, your work and also in terms of your epigenetic healing, whatever it is that you need to heal or be well, self-care will take you there. Self-care when you, when you are in downtime and relaxing also helps you get into your intuition. So if you can prioritize that it's, I believe it's the new success and health paradigm. And then finally, oh, and part of self-care is nourishing yourself with healthy foods, by the way. So mm-hmm. as you make more time for yourself eating healthy foods. And then finally, you've said this, Gerds, trust the process. You know? <laughs> trust the process. We've got to trust that we are going to be safe and that we're going to be okay. Because if we don't trust that we're going to be safe and everything's working out for our greatest good, we will be in survival mode. And, and in survival mode, we don't have the opportunity to move into that next phase of our life where we're working towards our dreams and the things that we came here to do.
0: Oh, I love those five top tips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you blew me away again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love what you're doing, my dear. Oh, I just love it. Um. Oh, last question is, what are you most grateful for? <laughs> I'm
1: actually grateful that I am a bit of a rule breaker and i know you are too where where <laughs> where when any when anybody says i can't i and i really think there might be a possibility i ask how could i mm. and and i'm looking for that answer and that's what i do with all of my clients it's like you they come to me with something that seems impossible and i say let's find the possibility in this and i'm <laughs> grateful that i that i did that because i don't know that i would have been able to to work with my own symptoms and and um and create optimal health without that mindset
0: oh oh that's really touched my heart oh thank you for, oh and <laughs> um, <laughs> you've made me speechless today <laughs> um, oh yeah also where can my listeners find you at heatherdane.com
1: i also have a radio show at on Hay House radio so hayhouseradio.com on tuesdays at um let's see i guess it would be nine o'clock p.m. Um, uk time but it also replays um at different times on saturdays and sundays that might actually be a little bit nicer in terms of timing
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing thank you just heather for being on the show and you know sharing all this information because it's so powerful i just love you i love what you're doing and thank you for just being another light in the world and just being you thank you so much Gertz and thank you for
1: everything you're doing and being a light in the world I'm sure people love listening to your program and I love listening to you and all that you've done your story is inspiring me
0: <laughs> thank you I'm definitely gonna have to get you in the show and talk more because I felt like we don't have enough time <laughs> oh, anytime bless you my lovely take care
1: thank you you too
0: Guys, I don't know about you, but I was absolutely blown away by the information that Heather Dane gave us today. It's so true that we can heal any kind of ailments just by connecting with ourselves and finding out what the actual issue is and how we can reconnect with our higher self. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Uh, before I head off, don't forget that you can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with GERDs and Instagram and also on Twitter at Gerds, where I bring you lots of inspirational, motivational tips and quotes about life. And before I head off, I want to leave you with this quote. Bone broth isn't just broth and it isn't just soup. It's concentrated healing. That's a quote by Kellyanne Petrusi. Take care and I'll see you next week. Bye.